This episode 12 is Dogger Saints, an unofficial St. Johnson podcast. We chat to Alan Kernahan about dressing room characters and the real reason to turn up on international duty early. We try and work out how to chat about a league defeat not inflicted by the old firm. We also go to Canada, Liverpool, Bournemouth and the 90s again. All that and more. The Saints are coming. again it's episode 12 of dogger saints an unofficial saint johnson podcast and as always i'm joined by d to the a to the nny i'm not trying to be cooling down with the kids in a kind of rap style i'm doing it in the style of mark guidi from saints tv it's danny williams don't compare yourself to mark guidi mate how you doing mate anyway you're all right i'm smashing buddy how are you very well but as you know dan we like to bring the good times to the dogger saints listeners we do but unfortunately we're gonna to have to start on a sad note this week dogger saint saint johnson's season ticket holder friend fred mckercher unfortunately passed away in the early hours of thursday morning so our thoughts first and foremost go to his uh, family and, and his friends and everybody that's going to miss him dearly yeah that certainly includes the pair of us so it's uh, absolutely devastating news tommy uh, fred's son-in-law is a good good pal of ours and he lies now and just so sad uh, he was such a lovely man always so nice to me when i first moved to perth and going for a pint in the in the dogger and just a great guy just a real gent and i was, I was so sorry to hear the news and thoughts have been with fred's family and all his nearest and dearest and yeah just just devastating news really is well, you, you touched on the fact that he was a gent, very much so. Memories go back to the, the Hearts away game when it was at Murrayfield. You'll know that very well, possibly, Dan. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was running the bus that day from the, the Railway Staff Club, and he he still didn't even throw you off the bus. He, he could have read me the right act. Not just me, I'm going to defend myself here. It's me, me and a few others. He could have read us the right act. He could have absolutely pulled us over the coals. And next time I saw him, or next time I went for a pint up at the club, I was like, I went in and I was shuffling about, keeping my head down. So, and I just saw Fred and he just started giggling. So Yeah, but don't think you can gloss over the, the actual event, Dan. I don't, don't think you can get away with it that easily. I think it's now to come clean. What happened, Dan? We'll all remain nameless in this, but um, my particular crime was falling asleep on the toilet. In the bus. On the bus, yeah. Um, which led to another friend who will remain nameless tinkling down the stairs. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then there was just general absolute chaos at the back of the bus. But yeah, and he was um yeah, I think he, he wanted to know details, but he never he never held it against us. Yeah, he um Helped you in uh, in similar circumstances a few times, didn't he, Sam? He did. He was on a, a boys' holiday to Malaga a couple of years back with me and my dad and a couple of friends. I think it was 10 of us all in. I, had a, I was a wee bit tiddly, but as a former prison governor and prison officer, he was uh, he certainly knew how to manhandle me up to bed, and he made sure it was safe and sound. But it's amazing what you can learn from somebody by spending time in their company. We are in Barcelona. I was running the Barcelona Marathon, and he was a keen runner back in the day. So he came over to watch. And it's funny what you find out with somebody when you're uh, stuck in a lift because you jump up and down it when you're drunk and it broke. Apparently, he's a little bit claustrophobic. Yeah, the picture of your dad clambering out of the lift, I, I still think about it and just absolutely crease every time I do. But It was like a really poor remake of the start of Speed. <laughs> <laughs> but Fred, Fred, Fred was like the lady who just refused to move and you just kind of stood still. But you know, um, a couple of drinks after that calmed him down. Yeah, I, 
I can imagine, but it's funny to say um, what you can learn from someone. And I was actually going to mention this to Fred next time I saw him. Um, actually, when we started doing this podcast a few years ago at the club, we had we had a, a cup final day. I mean, we were in 2017. It was our day in May. Fred was a great organiser. Yeah. Like we touched upon the bus trips and stuff like that. There was ever a bus trip or a hospitality being all or anything. He was, it was always Fred. He was behind it. And we did this hour day in May and we all ended up just, we just watched the cup final and I think we watched the Airdrie game as well, but we got a bit, a few drinks, but um, Stevie Anderson and Stephen McLean came down mm-hmm. and Fred did a little interview with him, a little Q and A. And I always remember like looking at that and like you say, Fred was a, Fred was a prison officer. And I remember thinking just how easy he was speaking to these guys and just how how well he conducted the interview. And I always, like when we started doing this, and obviously we started talking to footballers. I, I've never done anything like that in my life. I always thought back to how Fred was that day. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely did. And we knew, I know he used to listen to this because he's so terribly sad. We got Tommy sent us a picture of, Fred with his dog of Saints Morgan. He had a lovely, easy grin on his face. And he's just, yeah, he's so terribly sad. He was a big supporter of the podcast. Over the first couple of episodes, we'd speak on the Tuesday after he'd listened on the Monday night as soon as it came out. He was actually keen to try and help us get guests on, which one of them unfortunately fell through at the last minute. But yeah, we, we kept in touch. He loved the podcast, loved what was going on up until he was obviously getting a, a wee bit more ill. But as we say, we're dedicating this episode to Fred McKercher great pal, friend and family member. But let's get on with the show. That's what Fred would have wanted us to do. He wouldn't want us to be moping around. He'd want us to have the banter and we're going to try our best to do that today. We're going to start with follow-ups this week. It's a small feature this week, Dan. There's not much in it. I'd consider that a positive. <laughs> well, this is true. Names we've not fucked up that often. No, but we did ask the listeners last week, uh, this this song, which we happen to play one or two times. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not going to play the whole thing. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, nice. Um, that'll be the last time you hear that this episode, probably until the end of time. Because <laughs> we've been informed I was used as a Celtic goal celebration song in the early noughties. Yeah, mate of ours. He, um, he put it quite succinctly. He said that brought back memories of fucking Celtic Park and being fucking scuttled. So, yeah. What can you do? But they moved on to Chelsea Dagger and I thought, did he use the pesh mode or... I just can't get enough. They used to pesh mode. Yeah, I think it's just can't get enough. Yeah, but uh, we didn't know that, but it's a good song. We also asked if it was in an advert. We argued if it was over a, maybe in a Guinness advert or a Ford Fiesta car advert. Text from my brother, uh, Big Teal Magenta supporter, Kevin Miller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was used in a Vauxhall Tigre advert between 1994 and 1996. A good car. A good <laughs> hairdresser's car. I don't know. I must be in- inclined towards a hairdresser's car because I had a Mini Cooper for years. So does my good lady. I wouldn't slag it off. Yeah. Great car. It is, but... Until I drove it into a pothole outside Falkland Cricket Ground. Killed it. Well, that's what you get for playing cricket, Dan. You've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And there's a clarification on that. Don't play cricket. You'll ruin your car. Well, last week we were doing loads of celebrating, loads of things to celebrate. This week we stumbled to a 1-0 defeat against Aberdeen. Dan? Yeah. Uh, typical, really. <laughs> Aberdeen who haven't scored a goal in, or sorry, scored two goals in 11 games, both scored by a guy who couldn't play today, <laughs> uh, managed to beat us. But yeah, we weren't good enough today. You get what you deserve. And I sort of felt it wasn't going to be a very good game because, as I say, Aberdeen are so goal shy and we're not exactly free scoring, no. it's fair to say. So I was expecting a bit of a bit of one for the purists, really. But hey, look, I mean, we've had, a, we've had such a good run. 
it was about to come to an end. It just came to an end with a little bit of a whimper. Yeah, well, there was plenty of changes in from the squad. Bryson had something to prove probably against Aberdeen. Uh, Middleton deserved a start. So I can understand the changes made, but and we started off brightly. Did. Did start off very brightly, but again, it was a creation of chances. We started off, I thought we moved the ball about really well, moved it from back to front pretty quickly, but actually in terms of clear-cut chances, there was an absolute sitter. Chris Kane stuck into the stuck into the stand behind the goal, but and then that was it really for the first half. Well, McCann had that one that ended up similarly in row Z yeah. towards the end of the half. But it did look like a game where it was going to be the odd goal in it, and it, that's how it turned out. It was a... <laughs> It was a nice goal. It was a good ball through from Matty Kennedy. Uh, the defence that we've heaped so much praise on, it's probably only fair that we say they sort of went a little bit missing. Mm-hmm. And obviously then now McGinn's come through and yeah, it was it was a good it was a good finish. It was a it was a tidy enough goal. And then we sort of huffed and puffed and Rooney hit the post. I've heard a few people saying he should have scored. Probably should have done, but I don't think it was absolutely cut and dry. No, there was two defenders in between them. I thought it was a, it was a more than a half chance, but less than a, a setter, I would say, somewhere in that bracket. Yeah, pretty much. There was a half, half shout for a penalty in there. McCann had a good chance at the end. Ah, look, you, you gotta take, you've got to take him. Well, that defeat could have happened last week Yeah. at the end of the day because I actually felt the performance was better this week than last week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sort of been coming. Yeah, as much as Aberdeen aren't scoring goals... They've still got a team packed full of quality. Still fourth in the league. Yeah. Still two spots above us. I suppose it makes it a little bit harder to leapfrog Livy, but they got absolutely scuttled today, so... Scuttled is the word I would use to describe them. They lost 6-0. We still have to play them, and we play Hibs. We've got a good record against Hibs. This is the first time we've had to do this. I see. You know what to do. I was going to say that. I'm a bit lost here. So, and we've been doing this podcast for a little while now, so it probably shows that we've had a good run. It is, but... It's a small blip, but we're guaranteed top six. And St. Mirren, who could have nipped that spot, ended up getting beat away at Motherwell. So it just goes to show that they're probably the, the right team got in. Absolutely. And as, as I've said, it's my own personal bloody cliche. There's not a lot between any of those teams if you're taking out a couple of teams at either end of the table. So, hey, it's, it's what happens. So hopefully we can get back to it against Clyde in the Cup as we continue our righteous charge towards the Cup double. You're absolutely spot on, my friend, and the good tapes keep coming. It's a brand new feature as well. Do we have a new feature? It's kind of. It's a, it's a kind of take on our old saint stories. I like stories. Well, I like stories, but there's so much negativity in the world right now, Dan. Oh, it's a, it's a damn... It's a, it's a bloody down. <laughs> it is. So, I don't know if you've seen the video um, of the, the big stromash happening in our field in... It was at the Meadows in Edinburgh, where all the youngsters were kicking off having a right good tear-up. I do a kicking lumps out of each other. I don't, I, I don't see the appeal. Well, there was a guy filming it, and he happened to come out with this. That was sick, boy. That's the best content I've ever got. Bro, wait, fight. Did you get in a fight, bro? No, you big melt. (laughs) It's not great content. If anything, I deem it bad content. I I agree. There's filming it for a couple of likes on the internet is not what we're all about. (laughs) We talk rubbish for an hour for that. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if your idea of fun is watching kids kick, kick 10 bells of shit out of each other, then you've, you've got to seriously assess you, assess what's going on in your life. If you did want to film kids kicking shit out of each other, you should have got yourself down to an 18th birthday party at the Plough-In or the Genefield Club back in the day. But camera phones went around, so you snooze, you lose. Just don't video kids. We can't talk about that, then go straight into our new feature, which we're calling Wholesome Content Corner. But yeah, we're, instead of having saint stories, we're going to have a few stories, a bit shorter in length, but full of the wholesome content that the internet needs right now. I mean, we all need a little bit of wholesome content. And I should know, I'm Perth's most wholesome character. Is that your Tinder bio? Yes. <laughs> right, we're going to start with a couple of stories about ex-St. Johnson manager and now current Kilmarnock manager, Tommy Wright. This first one is great. Yeah, this was fantastic. This is good content. And it was put out, I think it was on Achilles' social media feed. Yeah, they were, were challenged by a local primary school for reading week to read a book. So in the style of BBC bedtime stories, Kilmarnock manager Tommy Wright read a little bedtime story on their Twitter account. Hi, I'm Tommy Wright, and today I'm going to be reading Boy Frog by Kez Gray and Jim Field. Sit on a log, said the cat. But I don't want to sit on a log, said the frog, and they can give you splinters in your bottom. I don't care, said the cat. You're a frog, so you must sit on the log. Rats sit on hats, weasels sit on easels, and moles sit on poles. Puffins sit on muffins, snake sit on cakes, gibbons sit on ribbons, lambs sit on jams, bees sit on keys. That is the end of that. Oh, that, that's nice, isn't it? That was really nice. He's... He's a good dude, ultimately. He is. He, a lot of folk would have told him to piss off. No, I'm not doing that. But yeah, he's what a guy. You can't you can't hate Tommy, right? You can't. No, you can't. My favourite thing about him was you could tell he was really getting into the deal. <laughs> <laughs> he was like really getting into the book. He was, um, nah, he was really good. Really good fun. But he's, I'll, I'll be honest with you there. I'm saying Tommy was getting into the book. I could see myself getting... I was like, "How's this? where's this going to end? And then the dog sat on the frog. <laughs> and you've just ruined it for everybody who's going to go out and buy that book. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Hashtag spoiler alert. Now, our second story in Wholesome Content Corner also involves, which appears to be Mr. Wholesome Tommy Wright. We got a, a message in from Robbie Hewen on our Instagram page. I'll let you take this away, Dan. You've got all the info. It's a great wee story. Yeah, it's it's a lovely tale. And it's been very emotional this week, hasn't it? And this, it doesn't get any um, any less emotional, but so grateful to Robbie for sending this in. And he's got a story to tell. In 2014, he was in, obviously, such a great year for Saints. He was in PRI and he'd been in, in and out for months with ulcerative colitis. Brought to light as a condition really by uh, Darren Fletcher, informed Scotland International, and he suffers from it anyway. So Robbie goes on, uh, he had to have surgery in the August. So he's 21 years old at this point, and obviously when something like that's happening at 21, you're going to be down about it. But his uncle works for J.S. Browns. He'd happened to mention uh, to Steve, the chairman, about Robbie's situation, and he was trying to get a card arranged, basically, from from the players and, and the coaching staff just to, you know, try and lift Robbie's spirits. Steve then says leave it with me he gets something sorted and so it says he had sorted a card out Steve said to Robbie's uncle he was going to get someone to deliver it to the hospital so they were expecting we sort of twigged that it'd be someone from the club maybe expecting a young player to come or a coaching staff or something like that he turns up Tommy Wright and Roddy Grant you know who else turned up go on to complete the trio go on the Scottish Cup <laughs> sorry I said I wasn't going to play it this week but I deserved that moment I really did <laughs> 
No, it's, a lo- that's an absolutely lovely story. Uh, so grateful to Robbie because it is such a personal thing as well. So we're so very grateful to Robbie for sending that in and allowing us to share it because it's the sort of thing we all need, I think. I think so, yeah. And he sent a picture of, as well of him lying on the hospital bed holding the Scottish Cup with Tommy Wright and Roddy Grant either side. And he said he's chatted for ages and they couldn't have been any nicer. That is a wholesome content this section needs and loves and craves. That is what this is all about. We're going wholesome. We're going big. We're gonna get there. (laughs) And to complete our hat trick of wholesome content tales, this one is about Jason Scotland, Dan. Yes, Jason Scotland, former Saints centre forward and subject of the song, we can still support Scotland, Scotland, Jason Scotland. I I think I was out of key, out of tune and missed everything there. That's what was wrong with that, Dan. Yep, you're absolutely right. But still, a wholesome intervention. (laughs) Indeed it was. And another wholesome intervention from Jason Scotland is a story we've had sent to us by Ryan Kenny. And uh, Ryan says to us, so back when Saints were in the championship, uh, it was an away at Hamilton. And Jason's warming up, shooting. He must have absolutely made a complete and utter cock and balls of this. Well, if you've been to Hamilton's ground, as yep. we've discussed many times, where you have to walk up Everest to get to the seats... <laughs> The pitch level set of seats is already about 10 feet off the ground. Yeah, anyway. So he's practicing warming up. He's he's hit one that has hit a lady called Madge, who used to be on the 208 Saints bus. And he waved and apologised, you know, as as you did. But after the game, he went a little bit further. He's come into the 208. No club officials, no nothing like that. But with, it was a bunch of flowers and, uh, and a, signed, uh, a signed shirt, sorry. I'd stayed for five or ten minutes chatting to folk, which is really nice thing because he obviously wasn't meant to do that. What a nice guy. It's a really nice thing to do. I like these stories that don't involve you pissing somewhere. It, I tell you what, it's it's a marked change. We've been doing this for what are we on now, episode twelve? Yeah. Uh, we've got enough for eleven eleven players in a sub of episodes. <laughs> Fucking hell, Dan. Have you still got that what 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 I think so. No, that's all right, we're calling that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so where the fuck was I going with that? I don't know, but that just reminds me one time. I've got <laughs> buttons, lots of new buttons that I've been told not to touch because Lynn needs them for a radio show. I really don't know what they do, but so well, I'll press them and see what we're getting. Yeah. I know what this one is. We all know that button. That's everyone's right. favourite. We've got... Uh... Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's what we're after. Yeah, my mistake, sorry. And Give your meat a good old... Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Nick. Wow. Big Ainsley making a comeback. Wow. I d- the whole thing. Give your meat a good old rub. That's it. Nice and hot. <laughs> hot and spicy meat. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. That... I'm not sure that's the appropriate way to end Wholesome Corner. <laughs> that, that is certainly not wholesome content. I think Ainsley Harriet's the most wholesome man in the world. He is a very wholesome character. I think he's been quoted out of context there. Give your meat a good old rub. <laughs> Stop playing it. It's freaking me out. I remember what I was going to say. So we've gone from, in the space of sort of 12 episodes, we've gone from literally every story being about, well, at least involving one of us going for a slash, to an actual wholesome content corner. Give your meat a good old rub. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting Lynn to take them buttons away from me. I don't know why it's on there, but there we go. That was wholesome content corner. We might return to same stories depending on how uh, risky it is or how much you... uh... Give your meat a good old rub. I think we've waited long enough, Dan. I think we have, Sam. 
One of the features we will never lose is having a weekly guest on. And again, we have got an absolute perler who hasn't figured out that we're a couple of frauds yet. Honestly, you say we'll never lose it. My idea when people start to cotton on that we're a pair of frauds. Very true. But we have got an international this week, Dan. Ooh. Oh, you should know that. You're sounding very excited. <laughs> We've done the interview already. Yeah, I know, ex- <laughs> I know exactly what it's going for. <laughs> but it's nice, to build a, <laughs> it's nice to build a suspense like you don't. Our guest joined the club in 1997, originally on loan, before making the deal permanent the season after. Before, he most notably played in the English Premiership for Man City and represented the Republic of Ireland 22 times, including at the World Cup in 1994. In our season to remember, he formed a formidable partnership with Darren Dodd before moving into management, taking charge of Clyde, Dundee and Brentford and most recently Glenn Torren. We'd like to welcome Alan Kernahan. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Are you keeping safe, first and foremost? Uh, I am. I don't think I've seen anybody but my wife, my mother, for <laughs> God knows I know, about six months. It's ridiculous. You're looking remarkably cheery for a man that's just came out with that statement, though. Well, you've got to keep yourself amused, haven't you? <laughs> that, that is that's it. how we ended up starting this, Alan. <laughs> Totally understand. It is, but it's proved remarkably popular. We've had some uh, good players on. A lot of them you would have played with. We've had Alan Preston on, Nick Dazovic. I don't know who else would have been for your time. Kieran McInesby would have probably been away. Philip Scott would have been away. But yeah, we've done. We've no, done no, okay. no, they were all there to start with. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Philip was to start with, and then Kieran came in towards the end, actually. Yeah, that was his, his, second, um, his second spell with the club. But you were at Man City at the time. You'd obviously had a couple of uh, loan spells at uh, Bolton and Bradford. How did it? How did the move to get St. Johnson come around in the first place? Um, just got a phone call one afternoon. I was at home. Do you want to go to St. Johnson? Simple <laughs> as that. Uh, um, at the time, I hadn't been in the team for, I don't know, maybe about a year. As you said, I'd been out to Bolton and Bradford on loan. And I just wanted to play football, really. Yeah. So uh, I said yes. And then I said, where is it? <laughs> Try to find St. Johnson on a map. Uh, no, but uh, I think it was Frank Clark was the manager. I can't remember who was the manager. I had that many in, uh, at that time. Uh, and he said, oh, it's in Scotland. I said, well, yeah, I know it's in Scotland, but whereabouts is it in Scotland? <laughs> uh, and he says, oh, uh, Perth, I think. Right. I went, right, okay. All right, no problem. He says, right, okay. Uh, Paul Stark's the manager. He'll ring you uh, in a couple of hours. I said, right, okay, no problem. Uh, so gets to nine o'clock. Uh, thinking, why is he not rang yet? You know, surely this should be something easy. It's a five-minute conversation. So I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've got a four-and-a-half, five-hour drive in the morning. And so he calls He calls about half ten, something stupid like that. And uh, and I says, right, okay, no problem. Yeah, uh, I'll be up. He says, right, okay, I'll see you about nine o'clock. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I had about I had three, four hours sleep and jumped in the car about three o'clock in the morning and uh, managed to make it up without any problems. Uh, and I pulled in just where the train station, the bus station is yeah, yeah. in Perth. Uh, and, and I just wind the window down and says, oh, can you tell me the directions to the football ground? And some uh, taxi driver or something just said, yeah, up there, take a left and just follow the road. And uh, and so I was in for, I don't know, must have been about quarter to nine, something like that. And, uh, and then eventually met Paul and uh, off we went from there. Well, like I said, we spoke to Biscuits a couple of weeks back and he said that your first introduction to Scottish football was watching a match between St. Johnson and I think it was Celtic where we lost 2-0, got two players sent off, Roddy Grant handled the ball in the net, and you were thinking, what the hell is going on here? I, th- I think it had been on the, the Sunday previous, mm-hmm. and I just happened to watch it. And yeah, that was the first thing I said to Roddy, will you keep your hands down? Will you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
Yeah, great times, great times, and uh, I think one of the best things I've done. Everybody we've had on here speaks so warmly about St. Johnson their time here. You came at a, a pretty big time in the in the late 90s. Uh, we love the 90s, certainly with St. Johnson around <laughs> that time. We do love the 90s. And um, you, the kind of 98, 99 season probably still stand out as one of the best campaigns from start to finish in a long time. You and Darren Dodds had a, a right good partnership at the back that season. I'll touch on Darren Dodds, actually. Did he get bullied as much as uh, everybody makes out? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Even more on the pitch by me. <laughs> I used to absolutely cane him all the time. I used to talk him through the games, pretty much. Uh, and it turned out to be more probably about three or four lines of advice and the rest was all abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he needs it sometime, but especially when his clothes aren't up a, up a flagpole, he's going home with a bag of bricks oh, to the missus. Uh, 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 honestly, just silly things that he let himself in for, you know what I mean? Just <laughs> trying to make him a wee bit more streetwise. <laughs> He did manage to score in the, the same game. I, I remember one of the, the highlights. It was one of my favourite games in that area. It was a 5-0 mauling of Motherwell. Um, you scored. Darren Dodd scored. O'Boyle scored one from about 40 yards out. It's not like George, because he could hardly kick it about 40 <laughs> yards. He must have been knackered. He must have been near the end of the game <laughs> and just, just lump it as hard as he can. But when you moved to Perth, did you have digs right away or were you kind of hauled up in uh, Hunt Tower? Like most I stayed of... in Hunt Tower for a while. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was in there for probably about four or five weeks, but I'm very much unlike normal footballers or modern day footballers mm -hmm. is that I like to move. I like, I like, I like to sort of have a base, uh, rather than just stay in the, uh, in a hotel or stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I was only there a short time. Um, and then I think it came to about sort of Christmas time. And then I went back to Man City because my, I was on a three month loan. So that had finished. And, uh, I went back and they said, look, uh, You've six months left on your deal. We'll just release you. So I says, right, okay. And then Paul was on the phone straight away and uh, we managed to get something sorted out and I went straight back up. And I think I went straight into uh, one of Jeff's houses, which was behind uh, Confonce Castle. Yep, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and it was really like really nice, you know, pretty much living on a farm, which was which was great. Uh, but had its had its throwbacks as well it was freezing <laughs> uh and uh i had to buy a jeep because i was scared crap was missing because <laughs> I, I had to drive up a big hill to, to uh to get out near the forest there and then uh down the hill into into perth so i was so i had to buy a four-wheel drive jeep to just to be able to get to work and me and my missus uh on an evening uh she would drive up the hill and every sort of hundred yards, there was a sandbox. So I would stop and then I would have a load of sand, uh, <laughs> or grit in the back of the, uh, and I would have the, the boot up and then I would be <laughs> throwing it out, throwing all, throwing all this stuff out so, so I could get to training in the morning. The life of a modern day football player. Eh? Uh, doubt it. Yeah. They'd probably pay somebody to do it. <laughs> um, no, Jeff wouldn't. That's all I knew. <laughs> no, I'm saying modern day ones. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, it was way to say. No wonder the house was so cold as well. <laughs> Paying for heating, the oh, Browns. Come on now. That was freezing. It was those old, old uh, electric storage heaters. <laughs> nice. Uh, that were supposed to store it up through the night, but then you know, anyway, <laughs> it was a good laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bonus. Um, we heard a story when you were staying at uh, Hunting Tower. You used to go in early to train, and uh, Roddy and uh, Alan would be in there early. You'd go in, have a cup of tea, have a couple of biscuits, have a chat. One morning, you don't turn up, and they're a wee bit concerned. Can you tell us what happened? Well, I would, I would, I would say that's concerned would be slightly, 
uh, not the truth. Uh, they were just out for a laugh. The two of them were probably injured. And, right, come on, we'll go up and see him. <laughs> see where he is. And as, as they said, they both put breakfasts on the bill and uh, the club had to foot it. So, uh, uh, yeah, just a silly situation, which has only happened once, thankfully. That was, that was uh, going to be my next question. Is, that, is anything like that ever happened again to you since? No, no, thankfully. Um, I just got a high reading on my uh, on your machine, which tells you your bloods. Now, your bloods are supposed to be between sort of five and eight. Mm-hmm. Mine were about 20-odd. Uh, okay. So uh, you have to have an injection of insulin then to try and counteract the sugars. Yeah, yeah. So sort of bring the sugars down. And uh, it happened pretty rapidly. It would usually probably take an hour for that to, to come down to a half decent level. And it, it happened a lot quicker than that. And uh, I just remember waking up. Uh, I don't know where, how, why, but uh, thankfully, uh, Ian, uh, who was one of the uh, staff at the hotel, had uh, had got the message from from Biscuits and, and that, uh, and he he popped his head in the door and uh, managed to sort me out with a bit of Coca Cola. That'll do the job. I thought you'd have woken up to see Roddy and Biscuits sitting eating a fillet steak. Sitting down with a metal well, that, that, <laughs> I think they must have been in eating their food at the time I I came round. I was going to say it was bad luck for uh, bad luck for the one time. I've lost. Oh, there it is. Dan has a microphone malfunction every single episode. Uh, it's came during his first point. <laughs> it's an old laptop, I think. Um, yeah, sorry, Alan. Yeah, it's probably worse luck for Jeff that the one time that that ever happens to you, it happens to be Roddy and Biscuits that went along. <laughs> The full ITV six whole Scottish breakfast, a lot. Can't blame them. <laughs> six items, yeah. <laughs> Must grind out. But that's just typical. That's just typical of the two of them. Honestly, the 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 stories that we have about them are just like so funny. And that's the so such appealing part of whenever I moved up because uh, in my first training session. So this is a Thursday morning, mm-hmm. we pl- or a Friday morning possibly. We play Rangers the next day. So. Uh, it goes down to the to uh, the inch. Um, we start training, and then they have this silly little sort of uh, where you have to sort of go around the circle with each other, so that you're in pairs. And then they call it sort of a colour or whatever, and you have to run to that. So, but Roddy and Sloop, no, no Sloop is uh, John, Blackley. John Blackley. Yeah, calling he's yeah. calling the colours out. So, it honestly, it must have took me about three or four weeks to work out that they were just taking the piss out of me completely. <laughs> And Roddy knew all the time where they were going to go, and I, and I so my back must have been to to slip to John Blackley, and Roddy could obviously see what he was doing, and uh, and honestly, it took me, as I say, about three or four weeks to work out that they were just taking the piss out of me completely. <laughs> Don't think you were the only one. I think that that's the thing. Team I mean, can you imagine being places. slower than Roddy? Oh, I, I can't. To be fair, I think I had. <laughs> That was that was the most galling bit of it. <laughs> I think that opening game, your first game, is that Rangers at home lost two 0 wasn't it? In the, yeah, we lost two 0 Yeah, that's right. What what did what did you make of Scottish football in general? Obviously, you'd seen it on telly. Did it differ much from their English counterpart? Was the standard? So a lot of people come up and think that it's going to be a bit of a breeze. What did you What did you think? Oh, did you think it was going to be? I didn't know. I didn't okay. know to be honest. But we're in the dressing room beforehand, and the team sheet comes in. Paul Stoller goes, Oh my God. Loud drops playing. Loud drops playing. So this is in the middle of in the middle of all of us. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, are you real? <laughs> really? You you you're that concerned because because uh, loud drops playing. <laughs> I, I just couldn't get my head around this. That you're sort of demotivating your team before they even go out. <laughs> oh, that's you. You are fucked now, boys. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> no exactly. point going out. Exactly. That's what it was like. Uh, and then 
the game got going and it was it was a, a pace quicker than I was used to because I hadn't played in a, in a good while. But it did okay. Did okay. We, as I say, we we lost two 0 and uh, their standard was obviously brilliant. You know the, the, the players that they had, uh, and ours was pretty good. We we did okay on the day. We had a couple of chances um, that on another day might have might have made it a wee bit more interesting. The following season, you got your just rewards against them. We did lose seven, and we won't touch on that. But we did beat them three one. You took part in that game. Today. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Kieran uh, McInnes, we played in that one as well, didn't he? he scored possibly. <laughs> possibly biscuits and, and, and Roddy's memory is way better than mine. <laughs> Uh, Kieran's memory was pretty good when it came to that goal, Alan. So. Oh, I'm sure it would be, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because we had him and uh, Keegan Parker, and he sort of rode on the back of Keegan's success yep. uh, uh, a year or two later. And uh, it was funny with him, like uh, Keegan was such a naive little boy that uh, he got a knock in a game, and, and the physio said, Oh, you need to take anti inflammatories, but you need to take them with food. So. Keegan puts them in a sandwich, <laughs> <laughs> tablets, puts them in a sandwich and starts eating them. Like, we're going, really? What are you going about? Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, but he was one of the young. He went on to your neck of the woods, Dan. Dan's from Blackpool originally. And he did all right down in Blackpool. I bet he did, yeah. Yeah, he did yeah. pretty well at Blackpool, actually. Scored at, yeah. scored at Wembley. But um, we had your own cup final up here. Again, Rangers, shock horror. Um, disappointing result, but against that team, there was full of world class superstars at that point. Punching above our, our weight all the time, you know. We just we were just on a on a good roll, and uh, we needed to get a goal in front, really, as opposed to go a goal behind pretty quickly. Uh, even though we did come, you know, uh, equalise again quite quickly after it, but uh, it was always just a war of attrition. You know, we were camped on the edge of our box pretty much all the time. Yeah, and expected. You know, I, I watched PSG against Bayern Munich, and they do exactly the same. You know, uh, uh, so. It's it's not a bad thing, but it was just sort of something that we were quite comfortable with at the time and did it quite well. We just really lacked a little bit of pace up front to be able to exploit it. Okay, it was unlucky. It was a good good day out for the fans, but we got our got our moments. Have you been have you been following St. Johnson since obviously you you've obviously had a lot of your career in, in Scotland afterwards, but do you still to this day follow results or are you kinda Oh absolutely, yeah. 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 I would look for two teams probably. Uh well, three now because after uh, after playing I went to Brentford, so I look for Brentford, I look for Middlesbrough, and I look for St. Johnson's. They're my three teams. You kind of left St. Johnson, you kind of got into player-manager role with Clyde, did really well with him, and off the back of that, um, got the assistant manager's job with Livingston, where you had no team and about three weeks to try and get one. Well, uh, I can't take any really uh, accolade for that. That was all Biscuits. Biscuits did all that very quickly. And uh, again, we were always chasing our tail to try and get ready and uh, and prepare properly. So it was uh, it was tough for sort of two young people in, you know, if we look at Davy Hayes' experience, who, who left just previously, you know, uh, the two of us probably added together wouldn't have made that, you know, as good as Davy would by himself. So it, it was a difficult task, but you've got to take these sometimes when they're, you know, when when you're asked uh, and hope that you can sort of work it out as you go along. But unfortunately, we weren't given the time. So that's it. Yes, that maybe happened via a couple of times. Yeah, you're not outspoken when you talk about your love for management or or your lack of it. Would you see yourself doing the job again anywhere, or are you? No. No, no. Wash your hands of it altogether. I think you got to know when you're beat, really. Sometimes, don't you? So, um, I, I enjoyed it while I was in it, but I never really felt in control. Mm -hmm. Apart from at Clyde, and I think the reason I felt in, in control at Clyde was because I was playing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, I had, I had a bigger, I had a bigger impact in the game as such. 
as opposed to giving instructions from the side. I was actually involved in it okay. and could see it as it panned out sort of thing. So, but after that, you know, Dundee was, well, Livingston was tough. Dundee after that was, was even tougher because we had young kids in and, and I know talking about Dundee on this. That's all right. We'll do we'll the best thing to do, but we'll edit we'll we'll it out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was difficult. We had a, we had a half decent team, but all we could do was draw. You know, we, we won the odd one, we lost the odd one, but in in sort of twenty five games, we we must have drawn fifteen or sixteen of them. It was ridiculous. So that proved difficult. So uh, no, I'm not interested in going back into it. Absolutely fair enough. Don't worry about talking about Dundee on here, Alan. We did a lot. We did a lot of that last week. <laughs> <laughs> Talked about Dundee an awful lot. Just uh, just speaking of managers, yes. obviously a documentary came out uh, last week about one of your your old manager at international level out. Uh, Jackie Charlton. What was it like to be involved in? Because you had a bit of a different route into international football. Yeah, um, I played in Northern Ireland here as a as a kid at 15 in the under 15s in the schoolboy level, and uh, and then after that, found out I wasn't qualified to play at any other level because my mum and dad were both born in Birkenhead in Liverpool. So um, so that was out because at that sort of stage, what's this sort of 1980 or something even before the English FA ruled the five nations competition sort of thing. So uh, they didn't think they'd get the rules sort of changed. So it just came one day. This boy called Curtis Fleming. Uh, at Middlesbrough, uh, who was from Dublin and sort of in the under-21s. And he says, oh, would you fancy playing for the Republic? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So he says, right, okay, uh, fella is going to ring you, speak to him and uh, and he'll try and sort it all out. So he, he phoned and uh, needed all passports and birth certificates and all this in my, because my grandparents were born here before the division, yeah, okay. before it was divided into yeah. North and South. So that's how I qualified. Um, and playing with Jack was a fantastic experience. Like, honestly, you'd have broken your neck to try and get in on a Saturday night. The boys from Liverpool and Manchester had it so lucky because they could just jump on a flight, no problem. Whereas uh, from Teesside, where I was, you had to either go to Newcastle or to drive to Manchester to try and get a flight to get over Saturday night. The reason you wanted to get in Saturday night, because then you had Saturday night out in Dublin, Good you night had out. Sunday night out in Dublin, all right? And then you trained Monday, Tuesday, played the game Wednesday, had Wednesday night out in Dublin, and then flew back on the red eye, and I used to just go into Man City. And as long as I turned up, Brian Horton just went, right, okay, way home. See you tomorrow. And that was me. So, uh, <laughs> but but Jack as a manager was, I wouldn't say difficult, but it was black or white with him, you know. My job as a, as a centre-half was not to pass to a midfield player, absolutely not to pass to a midfield player. All I had to do was try and turn the opposition defence, so whether that was a, a ball over a full-back or a diagonal ball over the opposite full-back was pretty much my main job. And then to try and be a stopper, he, he just didn't want you to play. So <laughs> it's funny, I was... Uh, we played in a sort of end of season or a pre-season game, I think with Austria at home, and the ball sort of came just in the centre circle, and it was a, a reactionary thing. I just passed it to Andy Townsend, who was sort of five, six yards away from me in the midfield, and he dealt with it, it was fine. But then as soon as the, the whistle blew about 30 seconds later for halftime, and Jack just comes storming across the pitch straight to me. I fucking told you, don't pass the fucking midfield players. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, just, I didn't mean to. There's about 50,000 people there, you know, and I'm like, what have I done here? You know, it was just, just one of those reactionary things. If I'd have clicked it into the stand, he'd probably yeah. been happy. But but that that's that, that, that's a, a funny and a, a, 
and the wrong side of him because he was he was brilliant. Like when we went to the World Cup, he, uh, you had to speak to the press, so they would announce who's who's going to speak to the press. So he says, uh, "Right, Alan, you got to speak to the press today." He says, "Come up to my room." So we go up to his room in the hotel, and he had, he had his own Guinness <laughs> pour, right? So he had his own keg, keg of Guinness in his room. Right? So we, there you go, <laughs> sit down, sit down. He put a pint in front of you, and then you just speak to the press. Brilliant. And that was that. It was it was amazing, honestly. So so relaxed and so adult about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was it was sort of the thing that all brought us together was the going out in the party. I was going to say, because you must have had a good laugh, because there was probably a lot of guys there. A guy mentioned Andy Townsend and sort John Aldridge, who obviously weren't, you know, were English lads, maybe weren't expecting the opportunity to play international football. And they ended up getting countless caps between them and so many others. It must just, you must have just been having a great laugh. Absolutely. But to be fair, they were great players. Yeah. Absolutely great players, like Ray Houghton. Uh, if you ask me, throw in there. Uh, Cascarino, uh, Terry Phelan, you know, so on and on and on. You, you think of of good players, and uh, it was the sort of thing that brought us all together. And uh, and if you were there on the Saturday night, as I say, it was great because you just had such a great laugh uh, and a good time. And woke up pretty rotten the next day, and then sort of went on it again. And off you went. <laughs> Sweat it out. The, the most the most ridiculous thing as a footballer nowadays, but it was it was a thing that we did. So. It seemed the same at St. Johnston, which we've heard from countless people, especially around that time, teamwork and doing things with the team. Paul Sturrock squads would do things like local events, like shooting competitions or go-kart racing or nights out. Um, I got a message to discuss a fancy dress night out at St. Johnston, and uh, poor Roddy had a wee trip to a and I believe. I, think, I don't even know if he went to a <laughs> To tell you the truth, he's that, he's that sort of guy. I wasn't there because they'd gone back to... Uh, I think we'd come back up to Perth. Uh, so... I'd been there, obviously, through the night, but this happened a bit later on. I think they'd gone to a place called Blondes in Edinburgh. Okay. And uh, it was a quite liberal place, let's put it that way. And uh, and he'd come out of it, and he, he was dressed as uh, one of the guys from ABBA, I think. <laughs> he'd, he'd walked out the door maybe 15, 20 yards, and somebody just slugged him straight away. <laughs> so he was walking down the road. And... Uh, and so this will have been, was it Tuesday night or the Wednesday night? I can't remember. Anyway, but we, we played Dundee, as it, as it happens, on the, on the Saturday. And Roddy being Roddy didn't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, that he'd broken his jaw and played in the game and then sort of came off with 10 minutes to go. Boy, guy. said, oh, somebody's broken my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, can you imagine that nowadays? Really, it's just a couple more points, just one or two. We actually did a poll this week on the podcast, and this week was your favourite person from Republic of Ireland to play for St. Johnson. We had to put some stipulations in. One, they had to have played over 20 games, and one, they weren't allowed to have been on loan because we've had a couple of goodies that would have romped it, and we needed to kind of half-rig it a little bit. But what were the results, Dan? So, in fourth place, propping up uh, the table with 5% of the votes, it's Vinnie Arkins. Vinnie Arkins would have been okay. before your time. Are you aware of Vinnie Arkins? Yeah. Yeah, I am aware of him, yeah. Good. Who is number three? Number three is former club captain. Made his finest contribution to the club a couple of weeks ago by giving away that free kick against Hamilton to his present club, St. Mirren. I joke, I joke. He was a good player. Uh, it was Joe Shaughnessy. Joe Shaughnessy, yeah. Okay. Ex Aberdeen, yeah. Second, and I think this may have been swayed by one game. Okay. It happened to be a game that took place on the 17th of May 2014. It's Scottish Cup winner, Paddy Craig. Good player. Where's he? He's over now. Okay. I think he's assistant at St. Pat's. 
Okay. There you go. Uh, I better sure have robbed that. I better have robbed it. I'm not finishing first. <laughs> oh, who won it? Please, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a poll a couple of weeks ago. We had Liam, we had Liam Craig on last week, and we'd done a poll a couple of weeks before, and Liam came in third. <laughs> and we worked. <laughs> so we did another one that was purely based around Liam. <laughs> Liam's best goal. Yeah. We couldn't have. I, we nearly didn't tell him, but then I actually took great delight in telling him about the one-way finish third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, coming in first place with sixty percent of the vote. It's David McMillan. <laughs> no, it's you, Alan. You've won it. <laughs> Six, a convincing victory for you, mate. Yeah. It, it's funny. I, I played probably my best consistent football at St. Johnson, and it was the time when they wouldn't pick me the Republic because Mick, and, Mick McCarthy took over. And, I, you know, I would have played so much better for them uh, having been at St. Johnson because I was way fitter. Uh, it was one of the great things of St. Johnson that, we were like an athletics club. We ran more than we actually played uh, in training anyway. John Blackley would have this thing on a Tuesday afternoon where you just run. It was like like going back to an apprentice. We used to have this thing at Middlesbrough when I was an apprentice that on a Monday you did 5,000 yards of sprinting. Okay, so it was murder Monday. It was <laughs> horrific, honestly. Now, uh, the worst training ground ever at the time at Middlesbrough and uh, all you did was run, like star runs and box to box and all this god it was terrible honestly but it's amazing how much how much how much a better footballer being incredibly fit makes you it really is a big difference there is method behind the madness but sometimes you get away especially me coming from england with with sloop because sloop was very old school Uh, and i was going fucking athletics club this the fuck we're doing not allowed to pass a ball and all (laughs) (laughs) to to be fair to sloop just i just keep your mouth shut and get get on with it get on with it brilliant and the very last question what's the future hold for alan kernahan what's the plans uh nothing much i'm trying to retire as much as i can no I, i i do stuff over here for glasgow rangers as a as a coach we have a big uh, a big thing going on here where we have usual sort of I want to call them kids clubs but it's not it's not the right term so kids from 6 to 14 can come on an evening and they get split up into different groups uh, and you give them an hour's coaching so we do that uh, in sort of five or six places around sort of mainly the Belfast area yeah. and then on a Saturday and a Sunday on a Saturday we have about 200 odd girls come in for training and then on a Sunday in Belfast we have about 250 kids in Ballymoney we have about 150 and then we've just opened a new centre in Omer uh, which would have probably about 150 as well so uh, it's a huge operation now compared to what it was when I first came back what, six or seven years ago where you'd maybe do one or two uh on an evening and then that'll be it so that's going on and we start on monday with that back so uh it'll be interesting to see how the kids turn up whether they've been actually doing anything uh, uh in the sort of what is it 90 odd days near enough now a bit like the homeschooling when the kids went back who's been doing yeah. the, who's been doing the work and who hasn't <laughs> come back and they're trying to eat crayons you're like well they've not done anything clearly (laughs) (laughs) that'll be my kids that'll be my kids yeah (laughs) and on that note alan we have to thank you for coming on and speaking about saints um another person that speaks very warmly about their time there and had their the best into their career with the club absolutely thank you very much sam daly no no problem at all thank you very much thanks again alan pleasure cheers mate see you later thank you cheers cheers mate what an absolute hero. What a great sign he was at the time. And I can say now that he's away that he was my favourite player back in the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, we're repeating ourselves. What a lovely fella. Uh, I was very, I know it's obviously uh, all about the Saints chat and whatnot. I was really fascinated by uh, his international sort of career because as I sort of touched upon in the interview, I just watched that fantastic documentary, uh, Finding Jack Charlton, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I just found it absolutely fascinating, um, that Republic of Ireland side. And yeah, another good thing when he said about the clubs that he still looks out for, he didn't mention Manchester City. So, <laughs> good lad, Alan. So what we're taking out of this is, I like Man United, I like Jackie Charlton, I don't like Man City. You could have just summed it up to three small sentences there. Well, Jackie Charlton played for Leeds, didn't he? So, <laughs> I don't know how we'd go with like. Alan Kernan managed Dundee, can't win them all. You can't win them all, you cannot. But what another tremendous guest. Yep, again, we've been spoiled. And once again, if things happen the way we hope it will, next week's guest will be something pretty special. I'm so excited about next week's guest. We won't say anything yet, just in case it doesn't happen, but you'll be able to tell by the start <laughs> of episode 13 if we sound very excited as the reason why. If it, if it comes off, it'll be great. G-R-E-A-T. It's Mark Guidi. We've got Guidi on this week. Oh, God, no. In other news, I'm taking a holiday. <laughs> I'll be honest with you there, Sam. We had a bit of a bit of a heavy first half, wasn't it? It was a little bit. But if you all thought you were losing our usual shenanigans, then you can think again. Sam, what have we got? It's time for the club shop of shame. Everyone's favourite. So, <laughs> open up that laptop. Go onto some random website which with stuff in it that you don't need. Fill your basket. Close your laptop, open your laptop again, find out the stuff's in there and think, fuck it, I'm going to buy it. I went from, <laughs> I went from, I went from self-service to 1940s news agents to some kind of terrible internet shopping thing. Pretty much what's been happening. Yeah. What is, what is in your basket? Oh, this week. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. What's in your cart? As, as my children call it, can you put that in your cart? Cart? I think they watch so many American things on YouTube. Anyway, uh, in my cart... <laughs> As ever, we have got some steaming, steaming shite. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to swear there. You dropped it. <laughs> and we're going to go on a trip to Merseyside. Lovely. This was sent in by Russell Puller. Big shout out to Russell. Yeah, yeah, cheers to Russell. And this might be the biggest load of tat we have ever had. And we say this a lot. I think, who's leading the list at the minute? We don't know. We've never actually... I know the... What was it? The Mario Balotelli boots must have been in there. The Bolton tape measure's got to be in there. We'll do a Twitter poll next week. What's the worst bit of tap we've had so far? Yeah, the Liverpool shirt. Oh, yeah, that was bad. And the, and the Manchester United Chinese New Year shirt. They were bad. <laughs> but, yeah, we're back to Merseyside. And this <laughs> advert in what looks like a magazine or a paper... Remember when you used to get that, like, a Princess Diana commemorative plate? <laughs> yeah. So the headline to this is, Be inspired by the Reds' winning heritage every day. This is a, a clock. Fucking hell, I can't <laughs> even... I'm going to go from bottom to top. So at the bottom, it's got... I'm trying to work out who it is. There's someone in a green shirt, so I'm imagining that's Ray Clemens. It's Clemens, Rush, Gerard, and I think it's Dalgleish. Sort of like going into the tunnel of love. <laughs> wow. Give your meat a good old rub. Very good. Anyway, <laughs> cheers, Ainsley. Then you've got, um, like, really crap figurines of Shankly and Paisley uh, stood either side of uh, a clock centrepiece that for some reason says the cop on it, despite the fact it doesn't appear to be on the cop end. <laughs> and then on top, just when you think, 
you'd think we're a clock, right? If there's something going on on the bottom, the clock's going to be the top. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Not for this mob. There's, um, there's an, a scale model Anfield on top of it. <laughs> Well, I've seen it, and the way you're describing it, if I've not seen this clock, I wouldn't know what the fuck it looked like. No, and I can't even... We'll have to put it on social media, because I can't even relay it. Oh, and then it looks like a couple of... Um, hanging off the bottom of it, looks like a couple of bronze testicles. <laughs> I think the footballs. Don't quote me on that. It is... I mean, from the club that bought you that shirt with the off-centre goal, you... You didn't think they could get any worse than that, but they've managed it. This is absolutely... It's not even so bad, it's good. So what are the four... It's just bad. Right, so let's start briefly, quickly at the bottom. The four players, what are they doing? Just going around in a circle? Clemens appears to be kicking out of his hands, but on an angle in which I assume he falls head first into the wall beside him. Um, Rush, is, he seems normal. He's, he's like shooting. He appears to be having a shot. Uh, Gerard's sliding off the tracks of the Tunnel of Love. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he could end up with a nasty injury from the mechanism. Um, <laughs> and Dag Leash appears to be going, just going headfirst, dribbling into the tunnel. He, you know, there's no, no what's it, no fear held by him. <laughs> He's going for it. I'm just like, I've seen the picture before, but I've not seen it all week, and I'm just looking at it again, and I've just forgot how big a piece of crap this is. It's so bad. It's, it's, oh, wait, wait, nah. wait. Even better, I'm just reading the adverts around outside, and it says, uh, on the hour... <laughs> it plays the melody you'll never walk alone every fucking hour oh that's oh no it's not Dalgleish sorry but it's, it's Keegan so I assume that's Dalgleish who's coming out of a, a massive gate the whole side Dalgleish is coming out of some double doors on the top bit <laughs> in which he's pretty much the entire size of the stand <laughs> he is now yeah. he was a fairly diminutive and still is a fairly diminutive uh, individual so they've, he's very gauche I'm going with gauche it's it's, it's it's called the Liverpool FC Stadium Clock, and it's limited to 999 models of it. I mean, come on. Just just go at around 1,000. You're not going to sell them all anyway. When just just don't stop being, stop being yourselves for five minutes <laughs> and just do something normal. Dear. You can call the 24-hour hotline to get one of these bad boys. Why? Um, I can see why. Half three in the morning. Yeah, they need um, to be open because that's when you're pissed and you, you'd think it'd be a good idea to buy one. That's probably when Probably. Maybe, maybe I'm not um, giving them... Well, here's, here's the official um, description of it. Featuring the Shankly Gate in models of Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley, it plays the melody of You'll Never Walk Alone on the Hour as Ken Dalgleish appears at the top. So on the hour, he comes out of these double doors, waving and celebrating. <laughs> That's amazing. The lower part of the clock features the Anfield Tunnel sign on the hour. Four of Liverpool FC's greatest players, Clemens, Rush, Gerrard and Keegan, revolve around the base. A superb detail which I didn't notice, are the five stars in the clock celebrating the five European Cup wins. So if you look at the clock face, there's no number five, there's just five little stars. A superb detail, Dan, not my words. But you pay nothing, absolutely nothing, until your application is accepted. I can't see it not being accepted. Oh, hold on. We always have a little bit of a... Um, we always have a little bit of a litmus test with these, don't we? And it's how much they cost. Well, I've not even seen the price yet. Oh, shit, yeah, I have. Christ on a bike! <laughs> 200 quid? <laughs> but you can pay it in six monthly instalments of 32.99. So it's just shy of 200 quid. I, I wouldn't want to pay any more than three, £32.99 for it full stop. 
as the one-off payment. A very, very worthwhile addition into the, the club shop of shame. And just remember, you will be inspired by the Reds winning heritage every single day. Oh, I certainly am. <laughs> I don't think we I don't think we need to do any more on the club shop of shame this week. I think that is absolutely oh, hold your horses, pal. Okay. We have a new cov. Go on. Who is who's the new cov? We went there last week. We'll go again. We're gonna go down to the south coast. It's Bournemouth. Ah, oh, just when we thought Coventry had given up the ghost on crap merchandise, Bournemouth have came up trumps. She's doing a really good job of not playing Fiesta, by the way. I know. Um, She'll need to get rid of that button. <laughs> so, um, last week, you know, Pets had the concept of supporting a football team and um, reading. <laughs> this week... <laughs> <laughs> this week, right, what the flogging. <laughs> now, you know when you take your dog for a walk? I do. And in the words of Reverend Timothy Lovejoy... <laughs> Of the Simpsons. Your dog does its dirty, sinful business. <laughs> yes. Um, Are they poo bags? Is that what you've got for me this week? It is poo bags, but it's not... They're not... I don't think it's the poo bags that are branded, but it is a dog waste bag dispenser <laughs> with a Bournemouth badge on it. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder any house... <laughs> no wonder any house wanted out. What is it? Is it something you have in your house? What do you do, what do, you do with it? I think it's got a clip on it. So... Do you, like, attach it to a bag, your bag? Your belt, maybe. Your belt? Oh, my God, that'd be brilliant. Um, is that what it is? You attach it to your belt? Dog, maybe actually a dog lead. Oh, that would make Or the hook. That makes a bit of sense. But seriously, just people will buy anything. But but why do you what need something? People will sell anything. How many shits is your dog doing on a, on a trip? Usually mine, average, one. I take one, but I yeah. take two bags with me, just to, just in case. Why would you need a whole roll of bags? Easily to be easily dispensed. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot answer that question. Maybe, maybe we have several dogs. <laughs> I thought is... it would have to very much be a hundred and one Dalmatians type situation here <laughs> to make make full use of this. Oh, Bournemouth. I mean, that is what's oh, that's some world class tap. What's its official title? A AFC dog... Bournemouth dog waste bag dispenser and. <laughs> There's two things here. Right. The first one, it's got um it's still awaiting any reviews. I know where you're the going with this because I'm looking not... <laughs> I know where you're going with this because I'm just it as well. <laughs> right? You can pay for it in six interest-free installments of 67 pence. It's four quid. He's uh, understand with the stupid Anfield clock, right? Which is some reason 200 quid. I can understand if you really wanted it. If you were like an extra and one flew over the cookies nest and you really wanted that. Um, but you were maybe a little bit hard up. Why you might want to spread that over um, over six months. Four quid over six, over six months. Dan. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely tremendous. So I'm going to make a bold statement here, Dan. I think this week has been our best ever week for a Club Shop of Shame entrance. I think it is purely based on um, six interest free payments of 67 pence. It's oh, well done. Well done to everyone involved because that was very, very funny. Good. Um, I would expect well to play. Well done to Bournemouth and well done to Layby Finance, Finance Company. <laughs> I'd expect to pay six interest-free payments of 67 pence for the heritage clock of Liverpool, even then it'd feel hard done by. 
love that theme tune. Even though it's coming at the summer months and only people are interested in, in winter and Christmas time at this time of year is Coventry City with their merchandise. <laughs> um, it's still a fitting song. And everybody knows that as the theme tune too, Georgia Boy and the Royal. If it's good enough for Cov, it's good enough for us. That's it. But Cov who? We're all about AFC Bournemouth now and their shit. Anyway, Georgia Boy on the Royal. And this week has been a record-breaking week for entrants. We could have basically did a whole show dedicated to Georgia Boy on the Royals this week. Business has been booming. <laughs> We've not had a Phoenix Knights reference in a while either. So well done for bringing that back into the frame. So we actually had 10 and we weren't quite sure how we were going to present these 10 to you. So I'm a big fan of the 90s, Dan. Oh, we do love the 90s, Sam. Oh, we certainly do. So may we introduce to you our Georgia Boyle in the Royal 1990s Top of the Pop theme Top 10. New in at number 10, we have Darren Dahl in City Nightclub. A non-mover at nine is Stevie May doing his big shop in Asda. <laughs> Up four to eight is Shaggy Jenkins spotted on the A9 in his lorry. Down one to seven is Philip Scott spotted on the train going from Glasgow to Edinburgh and sitting on that wee single chair by the bicycle stand. New in at number six is Pizza Hut menace Lee Croft and his Towie Mrs. Maria Fowler in Sportster's Perth circa 2012. Up three to five is double header of Rowan Vine and David McCracken in the Central Chippy in Tullock. New entry at four is good guy Liam Craig spotted running down the middle of the road in Falkirk and almost getting run over during the first lockdown. New unit three for Chris Miller, spotted at the Iron Brew Carnival in Glasgow's SECC. <laughs> this is fucking brilliant. A return at number two for Jim Weir, delivering a bed he sold to someone in Bank Four. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I've stopped the music. What's happened? We've not even got to the top. Oh, what a bloody letdown that was. Oh, but wait, no, that's what they did in Top of the Pops. They only did to number two, didn't it? Then it went back to Bruno, yeah. Bruno Brooks in the crowd and uh, they presented <laughs> the number one. So we'll do our number one this week. And I need to go back to a couple of these previous ones as well. Uh, it asks more questions than answers, to be brutally honest with you, Dan. Oh, it really does. And the one that really got me for no apparent reason it was just Stevie May doing his big shop. <laughs> I've got a, <laughs> no idea why. I, I thought about this earlier on. I've, I've remembered I, I seen Kenny Duker at Blackpool Pleasure Beach a couple of years back. Did you? Yeah. Fine place to go. It was. Uh, we were doing the Arabian Derby and we'd won a couple of the tokens to buy toys but we were leaving so we gave them to him and his family and he was delighted. The Arabian Derby. Never like to go on that because it costs extra. You tight get. But number one this week, Dan, in our Giorgio Boyle in the Royal was sent in by Pavel Kennedy 8 on Instagram who, also, apart from seeing Darren Dahl in City Nightclub, you also seen, wait for this, Dan, Chris Kane at Siam Water Park in summer 2019 in Tenerife. He was on the Lazy River. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll give him that. <laughs> He goes on to say that uh, he was on the Lazy River, which was maybe ironic at the time, but not now. He deserved to be lazy. He deserved it. He, 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 he puts a shift in. He deserves to deserves to put his feet up. How good's the Lazy River? I love a Lazy River. I'll just go round and round. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. I've, I've often thought about the benefits of just taking in a big bag of cans um, <laughs> into the water park, and then just sitting on the Lazy River, just... Just tearing through them. Do you know what? Do you know what? The only part of our lazy river which is a bit shit is when you go through a cave and there's deliberately like a small waterfall bit, which ruins everybody's yeah. relaxation. But this isn't a podcast for um, water parks. 
It's a podcast about St. Johnston. Sometimes. You'd never guess. So, if you've ever seen a St. Johnston player, everybody get, get comfy and get relaxed. Dan's going to tell you what to do. You know what to do by now. You know what to do, baby. You've seen him. Where have you seen him? What have you been doing? You let us know. All the usual social streams. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So have you ever seen Colin Samuel stood at St. Catherine's Retail Park waiting for the food warehouse to open its doors? <laughs> or have you ever seen Big John Sutton spending many a happy hour trying to hit a cow on the arse with a banjo? <laughs> and failing. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting You might say. have seen it. It's happened. You let us know. You're not finishing off with your usual... What usual? Do you want me to? Do you, do you not know what I'm talking do I say, about? Do I normally say something? Oh, wait, what I say, I normally say. Give it. Go for it. Get there! <laughs> <laughs> there she is. <laughs> so with lockdown restrictions easing, Dan, I feel that it's time that we could pack our bags again and get on a plane and go for a little tour. Where we're heading to this week, Sam? We're heading to Canada. Sorry, Canadians, we didn't mean to offend you. Is that a love South Park? But we're going to Canada, and who are we going there for, buddy? I'm not your buddy, guy. <laughs> we're going for David Souser. Wow, that's not where I thought we'd end up. No, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had a couple of great Canadians at Saints. You know, obviously, Nick Dasovich. Oh, oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick. Give you a meat of good old rub. Christ alive. Anyway, so <laughs> we've had Nick, and then we've obviously had Spoonie at the club and you know from that great canadian province of abernethy <laughs> that's it and we spoke we spoke to his brother but anyway back to the point not like us to ramble off peace not at all but we've actually managed to find a player that did not enjoy his time at st johnson and quite open with that it's it actually comes as a shock doesn't it because obviously we get all these guys on uh, kind enough to speak to us who talk about what a great time they had at Saints. How, you know, some of them saying it's the best time of their career. Some of them just saying how much they enjoyed being there. Michael Jubry, I don't know about how much he loves Saints. You know, bloke who's played in Cup Winners Cup final and played in Champions League. But not old David. No, David um, came, started off in Canadian football in the mid-90s. He could have got to the Olympics with the Canadian squad losing 5-0 on aggregate, I believe, in the, the playoff head-to-head -head match against Australia to get into Atlanta 96. But after that, he was too old, so he kind of quit college and moved to Port Vale to try and get a kickstart his football career. Never got offered a contract. <laughs> That should be the sign right there and then. That, that might be where alarm bells should have been ringing. Yeah, but. that'd be a red flag right there. But he got a gig at Stoke. He played one game at Stoke before him and Jerry McMahon, who you'll be more aware of, had more of a success with St. Johnson. They both came up to St. Johnson under Paul Surik at the same time. And in his two years at St. Johnson, he played one match. It's not a glowing aspect of his CV, his time at Saints. I mean, one game in two years. Yeah. He obviously didn't make much of an impression on uh, the manager at the time, it was Paul Sturrock. But also, the manager at the time, Paul Sturrock, didn't leave much of an impression on him. No, um, he's one of the few people to say that. He did not enjoy it. It was the worst time of his career at St. Johnson. He did not think much of the manager. He didn't develop at all at St. Johnson, and he would just like to forget about it and move on. But... So we're not inviting him on? I think he'd be good. I think he'd be a good guest. <laughs> I doubt he'd come on. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, He just wants to forget about it, but... 
obviously, if you've played one game in two years, if you're not playing football and you're a professional footballer, you're probably not going to have particularly fond memories of that club or feelings towards the manager who deemed you only good enough to play once in two years. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a shame for him, but he, he really had a rocky time when he first came over to these shorts because, obviously... He got rejected by Vale, somehow. Um, <laughs> played one game for Stoke under the management of Chris Kamara <laughs> before then Chris Kamara was still trying to be a football manager and a video game empresario in the 90s. What video game? Chris Kamara's Street Striker, which is incredible given Chris Kamara was an absolute yob of a midfielder. I've got a signed uh, Chris Kamara calendar from 1978 from when he was at Swindon with Moncal Ian. <laughs> Really? Yeah, found it in the cupboard. It was good luck. How good's Chris Kamara? Oh, yeah, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I like how he's bought out several albums. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a and horse ninja warrior now. He's he's done all right for himself, old Chris. Is he a horse ninja warrior? Yeah, him and Ben Shepard. I might start. Funnily enough, my brother-in-law replied to go on Ninja Warrior. They got actually asked to go on it, but they had to go over to Argentina to film it. What we can assume is... Are you not thinking of Wipeout? Ah, shit, yeah, I'm thinking of Total Wipeout. <laughs> Was that not the quiz show hosted by Bob Monkhouse? That's all the wipeout. There's total wipeout, yeah. So there was... He's not talking about the fucking 90s. <laughs> I like the 90s, though. I like the 90s. Um, Where were we? Oh, we ramp- David Zouza. <laughs> so he moved to Holland to a team that nobody knows who they are. Never heard of him. But actually, second act of his career, it did pick up somewhat. He came back to Scotland uh, and had a, you know, a bit of a time of it with uh, Inverness, who were just on the rise then. Mm-hmm. I think he was about when they knocked Celtic out of the cup. I'm not sure whether he played. I, couldn't, I, I, I didn't look that far into it. Uh, he went to <laughs> Livy, who again were obviously on the rise at that point. He played quite a bit for Livy. Yeah, he played quite a bit for Livy. He uh, played quite a few games for Vaness, a few games for Falkirk after that. Uh, and then went to the MLS, went uh, back to Canada, Vancouver Whitecaps, before obviously it tailed off a little bit and he finished his career with Vancouver Columbus, whoever they were. <laughs> Oh, um, David. Oh, David. But 32 caps for Canada. He can't have been a bad player, but we'd never know it from his time at St. Johnson. He could have been, you know, he could have been like the reincarnation of Alfredo de Stefano, or he could have been the reincarnation of, I don't know, Eric Jemba Jemba. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will know. But we'll never know. He's, he's Schrodinger's footballer. <laughs> I listened to him on a podcast, another one, and he came across really well, to be fair, and he was very honest with what he was saying. He, he didn't get the breaks with St. Johnson or the development he wanted. It's not for everybody, but fair play, he went on and kicked on and had a decent career. So we will doff our caps to David Zouza. Yep, and a shout out to any other Canadians who might have played for St. Johnston. Get on board. We love you and your delicious syrup. <laughs> that was our dogger on tour. We were in Canada. <laughs> So I'm moving on, and <laughs> if you want to nominate a player for our section, let us know, and we'll do our best to uh, pack our bags, get our blue passport stamped, get through duty free, try not to get drunk at Witherspoons at four in the morning, and we will get on board that plane. So let's actually talk about St. Johnson, Dan. It's a it's a novel idea. So we're going to talk about Callum Davidson and his transfers. It came out in the, the news this week that a possible link to the club was Peter Pollitt. What is your initial thoughts of that one, Dan? I'm neither here nor there on it. I've seen people have had quite strong opinions either way on it through the week, which is usually what happens. Um, yeah, I generally just sort of think he's he'd be all right. There's there's no harm in it. He's, it, won't, it won't be costing a fee. 
wouldn't imagine it'd be a huge burden on the on the wage structure. And you know what? He's he's been a good player. He's been at the club before, obviously. Had a little loan spell a few years ago. I I don't know. I think maybe he's still young enough, you know. He's only 30, which is obviously towards the he's obviously nearer the end of his career than the start, but maybe it just could be a, a little move, a new manager and whatnot. Might just be what he needs to to kickstart that sort of latter part of his career to rejuvenate himself. I say he's a good player up at Aberdeen and I think he'd be a, I think he'd be a decent enough signing. The worry is event it probably means someone's gonna go, but nobody really knows who that is. No, there's a there's a few uh, of the elder statesmen in midfield who who could be moving on, but some of them were only brought in at the start of the season by by Callum. He's he's had a quite a mixed bag of transfers since he took over the reins. Yeah, it's been a weird one. I think a lot of the players he signed, or a few of the players he signed, I've I'd hoped they'd have been bought in under the sort of explicit knowledge that they weren't going to be first pick and they weren't going to be there basically as a squad player. I'm looking at the one that intrigues me is Charlie Gilmore. Who obviously we have as a, you know, he's not a loan or anything like that. Mm. He's contracted to Saints. So I'd be interested to see what happens with him. But I don't know because he played about two minutes of football. Looking at other guys, James Brown. So he's obviously was a bit of a been obviously he's been a bit of a bench field. Middleton, I thought, would feature more than he has. Um, so those guys, and obviously we had Isaac Alofi at the start of the season, who looks like a good footballer. Maybe just Perth and Saints wasn't for him, you know, a London boy. It's a bit of a, you know, a young lad. It's a bit of a bit of a culture shock, maybe. Indeed it would be, yes. But there was another London boy who was brought in, although he masquerades. Masquerades as an Irishman. Um, <laughs> Danny McNamara, uh, lead singer of Embrace and sometimes right wing back. <laughs> He's. I love Embrace. I don't want to fall out with you, so I'll just move on. Do you not like um, Embrace? Freaking hate embrace. Oh no, that was the last gig I went to before lockdown last year. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it embrace and Star Sailor. Embrace Star Sailor and the Supernaturals. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Danny McNamara obviously was a huge player first half of the season. We thought we we're going to have him for the entire the entire term, but he did so well. Millwall wanted him back, and he's gone right into the first team. Um, and he did really well considering he was playing right wing back, and he, he you know, he wasn't a right back or a wing back. He was quite an attacking minded player. But it seems to be a new position for him because Millwall are playing him like that. So I think Callum deserves a fair bit of credit. Obviously, we'll have known he had the capabilities to do it, having worked with him at Millwall. Uh, and then the two we're sort of thinking about, really, in relation to Peter Paul, uh, Conway and Bryson haven't always been first pick. I think by and large they've done all right, particularly Conway, mainly because he had an absolute blinder in the semi-final. Big game player, isn't he? Yeah, he played really well in the final as well. Uh, when he was a bit of a surprise pick. Yeah, Conway's done. Conway's done well. Sort of hoping we'd see him for another year. Bryson's a funny one because we've not seen enough of him. I don't think. No, I like Bryson. Um, you know the quality I've got. He's had it for years in abundance. I know he's getting to the latter stages of his career now, and I know he's doing kind of PT work. So he's obviously looking ahead about what he's going to be doing. I see on Instagram he's setting up a personal training business. So whether it's him, it's going to move on it could be likely based on that yeah i don't know maybe i don't think his confidence has ever fully recovered he didn't have the happiest time of it out and uh, you know at aberdeen but he's a good player and you i, I said to you before i watched him um, for some reason just because i couldn't be bothered changing the channel i ended up watching some old football league games <laughs> and one of them was a uh, derby against forest massive game he scored a top couple did he not i think got a hat trick yeah that's right at least got a couple but you saw this guy and he was full of you know, absolutely full of it. And but he was a bit younger then and you know, he's getting it right with the Forest fans. That was that was a good one. Um 
Not that I have any particular strong emotions about either of those sides. I just like getting it right up fans. Um, <laughs> the most interesting of Callum's signings and is obviously Guy Melamed. Yeah. I really hope he stays. I hope so as well. He's a luxury player, isn't he? He doesn't do anything other than finish. All right, total luxury. He's, he's a ball player. Mm-hmm. He's not a runner. We know that. He's not exactly someone who's going to get stuck in stuck into the battle. But when he gets the ball at his feet, he'll try and do something. Sometimes it doesn't come off and he looks a bit stupid. But when it does come off, it's it's absolutely tremendous. So and maybe that's why he's not... Maybe that's why he missed the cup final and a few other things because the way Callum sets the team up, maybe it's just a luxury he doesn't feel he can afford. Now, I think he's a great player. I'd love to see him stay. I can understand if um, he wants to go and play in the football league, but we'll see. He's sort of the outlier, really, of those signings. They've either been, I hate saying it, but guys that are there to pack the bench or experienced all the pros. So Paul, it really shouldn't come as a surprise. No, I think he'll be, I, I don't think he'd look out of place in the team, certainly. I don't think he's any better or worse than Bryson Conway, being honest. No, and look, at the end of the day, we all know the situation we're going to be in at the other end of this. We've not had fans in the ground for a year. That's a huge, huge chunk out of the revenue. So the signings we'd all like to see might be a little bit difficult, more difficult to come by. I heard a few people mentioning names like Lee Griffiths and stuff. You're like, come on, get a grip. Not going to happen. No, but I think the more important aspect is, or the most important thing is getting players who are already at the club signed up rather than bringing in new players. I think that's the most important part of the summer. Oh, absolutely. And it was a, it looked a goal in sort of challenge um, when we saw the, you know, when you see the out of contract list. It did look a bit, you know, there's players on there you think, shit, we better get them, you know, we get them signed up. You know what? You've got to face reality. We have got a lot of good players. Someone might go. Yeah. But you deal with it, and Saints have always dealt with it. That's it. We, we lose players all the time, but we always kind of adapt and overcome. But the one person that won't be dealing with the contract negotiations is our former director of football, Kirsten Robertson, who has stepped aside and is being replaced by Scott Boyd. Do you remember Scott Boyd as a player? He's a bit of a clogger. He wasn't an artist, was he? But everybody that, that spoke about Kirsten this week has said what an amazing job she's done. I think she what she did was do a lot of the work that Steve Brown did personally. And she was the in-betweener. She was a, she kind of ran the club, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be in the know or anything like that because I'm not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, at the end of the day, people obviously have opinions and, and whatnot. It's, you don't know unless you're involved in the environment. And looking at the surface of it, two top six finishes in a time at the club admittedly one on points per game. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. Um, but two top six finishes and a league cup win. And also having to deal with a changing manager after so many years. It's And also just having to deal with running a football club through a pandemic. It's never go, it was never going to be the easiest task. So you know that um, she's leaving the club in a good position and it'd be Scott Boyd can hit the ground running. Well, he, the good thing about Kirsten Robertson is she wasn't one of these people that wanted the media spotlight or attention. She, she's not an Adam Budge type. She's not a Leanne Dempster. She just kind of came in, went about, I don't even know what she looks like. She's not concerned to be in front of the media. Um, she was just quite happy to, to deal with all the stuff in the background, which is absolutely fine. And I think a lot of people have kind of put their hands up and admitted that she's, she's done a good job, admittedly, not knowing what she does in a day-to-day role, but that's none of her concern, really, to be fair. I haven't got a clue. But, yeah, the results are there. It's not been a bad couple of years, has it? Yeah, Steve gives her best wishes. Callum gives her her best wishes. So they're the people that work with, the, work with her day in, day out. So they're the guys in the know. So 
Uh, we wish her all the best. Hope she goes back to Kelly under Tommy, right? He'd be raging. <laughs> he would not be amused. I go chuckle. But we've got a game this week. We have got Clyde at home. Wholesale changes throughout. Charlie Gilmore, Parrish, Brown. Surely all these guys. Give them a run out. Al Paz. Football good guy, Al Parrish. Our new favourite player. Oh, he's, he's been getting in touch with us on Instagram this week after the whole thing with that drawing, Liam Craig going on about it. He's, um, he's a good lad. Anyway, yeah, I think I'd like to see changes. I mean, there was four changes today. I mean, there was four changes on Saturday and we lost. But <laughs> I, I think guys that, as you say, Gilmore, maybe Parrish, uh, maybe Brown, sort of, Give them a goal. The other thing, just to play devil's advocate, is do a few of the guys maybe need to go out against a team like Clyde and just do what they want? I think so. Just run, just let them just express themselves. Exactly. But we have got to be mindful that uh, we've got Rangers on the Wednesday after the Clyde game. So, yeah, which, you know, we're expected to lose, but you want to give it your best goal. So I think it's a, it's a good chance to... And, you know, we can't... We just discussed it in the Doggers on Tour section. It can't be any fun being at a football club and not playing football. So you want to give these guys a game. And if you don't give them a game against Clyde, they're probably going to wonder what's the point. Well, we probably, we thought that about Guy Melamed when this has got to be the game from, this has got to be the game from, and he still wasn't getting a game. No, it'll be when they're good and ready. I think that's probably more the case with Gilmore when yeah. he's good and ready yeah. because of the unfortunate injury problems he's had. But we'll see. We should, we, we should batter Clyde. Let's not mess about here. They, they got beat again on Saturday. They were unlucky. They lost 2-1 to Falkirk. But anyway... Hopefully this time next week we're not discussing Callum Davidson's cup run coming to an end. Oh, it's, it's much more fun discussing wins. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And that's brought us to the end of another episode, Dan. It has, Sam. It's, it's once again. The, the hours just fly by, mate. They do, and I hope it offers a little bit of entertainment. We we do appreciate every single person that gets in touch. Um, everybody to say, oh, great, love the podcast, look forward to listening to it every week. It does mean a lot. It genuinely does. We love doing it. But if you didn't listen, right. we'd stop. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tremendous. We love hearing from you all. I mean, we've had the pleasure of getting out and uh, doing some deliveries in recent weeks. Uh, me, you know, disrupting people's Friday nights. Um, but yeah, I and mean, then you're just getting to chat to people and uh, put faces to names and, you know, people are getting in touch with us on social media and then you're getting to actually, you know, because it's no substitute to chatting to someone in person, is it? So it's been, but absolutely, it's been, it's been fantastic. And uh, on the delivery front, we've got, again, we're down to a handful, a handful of mugs and my hands aren't that big. So again, this will be the, the last of them. So if you do want one, get in quick. We don't have that many left and we'll get them to you as quickly as possible. You do have freakishly small hands. I've got the genuine Beatles about me. Beatles, all right. He wasn't a Beatle. <laughs> no, we can't milk his bloody gummy hands, can we? <laughs> yeah, we can. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a couple of uh, announcements to make. The first one is, you'll remember Kevin Twaddle, our guest from episode two, and more importantly, from playing with St. Johnston. Yeah. More, more importantly. Um, he's More actually, He's actually taking part in the Edinburgh Marathon Festival this year. He's been doing a lot of running as is part of his kind of as part of his new lifestyle, and he's he's raising money for the Edinburgh Children's Hospital charity, which, as we touched on, uh, his daughter Hope 
spent a lot of time there when she was she was born. So he's trying to give a little bit back. So if you go to justgiving.com and search for Kevin Twaddle, you'll get all the details on how you can support him. I've, I've messaged him earlier on to ask him if we can promote it on the podcast, and he was absolutely delighted that we are. And uh, he'll give you a wee special mention, um, and every pound counts, he says. So good luck to Kevin, all his running that he'll be doing, and hopefully he raises an absolute pocket load of cash. He deserves it, the guy. Absolutely. I mean, he's a great lad, Kevin. What a fantastic thing he's doing. So uh, give him a bit of support. He'll, re- he'll really appreciate it. Honestly, I mean that. He really will. So, and, uh, and all the very best to him. Yep. If you supported Kev or support St. Johnson and supported Kevin Twaddle as a football player, throw a couple of quid his way and um, it'll be very much appreciated. Our Teal Magenta campaign is still ongoing. The new mugs are certainly um, showcasing the colour scheme that we are hoping that St. Johnson will adopt in the 21-22 season for their away kit colours. Yeah, let's keep it going. Keep the ball rolling. That is it. We're not giving up on this. Now, they'd be missing a trick if they didn't go for it now, how popular the, the colour scheme certainly proves. Some people don't like it. Some people are dreaming about it. I mean, I like it, and I really want it to happen, but who is possibly dreaming about it? He's going to remain nameless just to spare his blushes, but I'll read the text I got from him word for word. Had the weirdest dream last night. Me, you and Dan were all playing for St. McDermott against Morton. The entire crowd were wearing magenta and teal. You were right back wearing the full proper kit. I was right back wearing a Barney the Dinosaur costume. And Dan was up front wearing a full magenta and teal game show host sparkly suit. (laughs) It gets better. Rowan Vine was playing for Morton in high heels with white hold-up tights, red PVC shorts, white vest top and a blonde wig. We won 2-0. No idea who scored. (laughs) I, I, I like the addition of we won two now, and I know who sent you that. It's and one. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say it. I am because he doesn't like Teal Magenta. It was my brother Kevin. Fud. <laughs> Kev, you gotta watch. You gotta assess what you're doing before bed, mate. As much as we've gained me wearing a sparkly teal and magenta suit for when we eventually do a live show, right? As much as that's come out <laughs> of it, you gotta assess what you're eating before bed, pal. Or listening to. Here's a wee notice for you. Do not listen to this podcast before you go to bed. Yeah, pretty much. Otherwise, you'll think I'm playing up front. Or you'll dream of coming out of a Liverpool FC heritage clock with uh, Ray Clemens, Stephen Gerrard and Kevin Keegan. Nobody wants to be there, mate. <laughs> Certainly not. But that's it for another week. Yeah, it is. We've, we've come to the end of the line. It's another blockbuster episode, really. It has been. It's been a, a right good carry-on again. We've made it to 12 episodes, so thanks again to every that tunes in every single week. Thanks to all our new listeners that make each episode more successful than the last. It's, yeah, just thank you. So, we say it all the time, but we really do mean it. Just thank you so much, because, as we say, if you weren't listening, we wouldn't be doing this. So, it's... And it's great fun. And it's what, like, really, it's so pleasing when people are just, not even when people are nice to us about it and say, oh, it's great. It's not that aspect. It's the fact that people are enjoying it. That's, like, the pleasing thing. So the knowledge of that. So, no, I'm so grateful. Just we'll keep making them. I just really hope you all keep enjoying them. Exactly right. And next week, we are both very excited if the guest we're hoping to get comes through. <laughs> I really want this to happen. So thanks again, everyone. This show was dedicated to you, Fred. And he was really into his gigs. And the last one we actually went to was Kyle Faulkner at the Ice Factory a couple of years back. So we're going to finish with this. Bye-bye. Loving you isn't the right thing to do And how can I ever change things that I feel If I could
Can I? 